Tyler, you don't sound very good. Yeah, you guys all have to forgive me this episode. I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat and may have to back away for some cough breaks because I don't have a <laughs> I don't have a cough button like they do at like the nice radio stations or anything like that. I've got just a it's not COVID. It's this is like the just horrid daycare cold. Probably, I mean, honestly, we've been all as a family constantly sick since my son went to take care of May. Um, yeah, but this one for the entire family, we had boogers shooting out of our eyes, <laughs> ear infections, sinus infections. So uh, I'm almost on, yeah, almost week two of this. Um, well, actually, I am on week two, like moving toward week three. So, sure, it's fun not stuff. smallpox. <laughs> Maybe I need to go uh, suck. Eat, eat a heart of a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that sucks. Um, is everyone recovering at all, or are you guys all still sick? Oh, yeah, I'm the worst one now. So, you know, I'm uh-huh. trailing. Maybe it's great. So that's good. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that's just life sometimes. Hope everybody else out there is staying healthy. Yeah, I uh, I, I am over here for the most part. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Shall we uh, go ahead and dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX show American Horror Story and the companion series American Horror Stories. My name is Tyler Moss. Uh, I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Um, I didn't realize we we're almost, we're almost, we're, we're getting toward the end of the season for uh, American Horror Stories, I believe. I think there's I eight, we, nine yeah. episodes. Yeah, I think we said nine, right? Because last season, well, I'll have to revisit Last I checked, there was nine. Because in last season, there was only like seven, right? It was like, I remember it ended so abruptly. Yeah, because we thought we were going to have to be doing double duty when American Horror Story started, but they they ended, uh, stories ended before stories started. Totally, totally. So, yeah, Facelift uh, is episode number six. Uh, I will say to kick things off here that this was another episode where there seemed to be some strong bipolarity in people's responses. <laughs> we got messages from people who really liked it. We got messages from people who really didn't. And then a lot of people who were just kind of tepid on it. Um, mm-hmm. Excited to, to talk about your reaction yeah. in, in just a minute here. Um, before we dive in, a couple things. Uh, first off, I want to continue to um, encourage everybody uh, who has thoughts, theories, questions, um, to reach out to us at this American Horror Story at gmail.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash this American Horror Story. And I will say that uh, while, especially with as busy as life has been recently, don't always have time to like respond fast, but we do read all these. And a lot of times I pull things in for our actual podcast. So, um, you know, our eyes are on these and we do, we do our best to respond to everybody too. So thank you so much for those who take the time to, to share their thoughts. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, and also want to appreciate those who have uh, bought us a coffee this year. Um, we've got a, a few more uh, came in over, I think, the past um, couple weeks. So just wanted to thank those who have been going to buymeacoffee.com slash T-A-H-S. That's all capitals, T-A-H-S. And donating five bucks, ten bucks, however much they feel comfortable with um, to keep kind of our servers up and running and, and allowing us to do this show. So we really appreciate it, guys. Uh, that being said... Um, it's not going to be a very fun conversation today, at least on my end, Chris, but what are you drinking? I have a organic um, peach mango green tea, iced tea. What a, It's delicious. It's that brand I've probably mentioned before, Steez, at the grocery store. I love them. 
What What are you drinking? I'm drinking a hot tea, uh, trying to keep myself from coughing too much. <laughs> look at this. Um, we drink tea now. Yeah, look at it. It's so cool. Um, I'm having a ginger turmeric tea. Uh, it will soothe my throat a little bit. So that's where we're at here. Um, but that's all good. Let's go ahead and dive. Well, okay, before we actually dive into the cold open, a couple things I wanted to point out. First one before we actually talk about facelift is um, Emma from e- via email sent us some uh, good intel on the upcoming um, new season of American Horror Story, which I don't know that I had heard the most late breaking news. But apparently, there's been some rumors uh, in I don't know if it's been in the subreddits or where exactly that season eleven is going to be focused on a serial killer in New York City that targets members of the LGBTQ plus community and will be. It will take place in the present time period with flashbacks to the 70s. Um, so Yay. that would be very cool. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that is just rumor or whether it really takes flight, but it could be a neat uh, convention. Serial killer is always obviously a great trope for horror, so I don't think we'd mind that. Um, American Horror Story loves its serial killers. We know this. Hopefully it's a new serial killer, obviously, and not just a referencing a historical one that they have covered many times before i mean yeah when we bring back historical figures i mean there's been sometimes it's been done well sometimes less so but it'd be fun if we had just something a little bit different um i'll also say that emma via email pointed out some similarities to the 2014 austrian psycho thriller goodnight mommy did you watch that movie i sure did i loved it it was so creepy and depressing and wonderful i liked it a lot did you see it I saw it too, and actually, it's getting remade. I believe it's releasing this month on Amazon Prime or later in se- yeah. like mid September with Naomi Watts as the mom. But for I those saw who that. Don't know, in- oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, you, you go ahead and give it over to you. Well, I, oh, I was just going to say, like, I don't know why they need to remake it because the Austrian film was fantastic. I guess just because it's in subtitles, but um, but if you're going to cast like Naomi Watts, seems a perfect mom for <laughs> to be the uh, to be the mom uh, in the. Um, good night, mommy. Uh, American remake. And anyway, I liked it a lot. I thought it was good. But it, same premise where uh, the mother goes undergoes a procedure and she's completely bandaged, bandaged up, and uh, her twins um, start to suspect that that's not actually their mother under the bandages, and it's somebody else. And then horror and chaos uh, and slowly spill out. Ensue. Yep. Yep. So fun movie. Um, for those who haven't seen it. Uh, other thing I wanted to point out, which I think is also a connection I made too, is Amy via Facebook mentioned, and I, I bet you caught this too potentially, the connection between this episode and the twi- the original Twilight Zone. Yep. Uh, the episode called Eye of the Beholder. It's a famous episode. Yep. Season 2, episode 6 of Twilight Zone. Uh, I'll give the overview of this one uh, and spoil it for people, but it's still worth going and watching, um, especially Absolutely. in conjunction with this episode. But the, if I remember correctly, the premises, and you can add on, that we get the point of view of somebody who's just undergone some kind of cosmetic procedure. There's a bunch of doctors in masks in like a, like a futuristic kind of hospital situation, but we don't see anyone's face for like the first half of the episode. Um, and I believe everyone has like a horrified reaction to our main character. Um, the reveal. However, like it's like as soon as they've got their bandages off at some point and then everyone's like horrified by what they see. And you just imagine that the point of view we're getting is from this person who just has an absolutely grotesque face and everything. And what you learn about halfway through is that the person whose point of view we're seeing is actually like a normal looking person. 
And we see, start to see the doctors take their masks off and everything. And everybody else is kind of these like strange pig-like looking creatures. And it's this like weird futuristic society where everybody's been transformed to um, be, what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, not look any different from each other. So there's like everyone's uniform and there's that, you know. Um, anyway, it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a 1984 vibe there too. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty classic episode. It's a great one, and I wish we had gotten that <laughs> instead of what we got. Might as well have just done a straight remake, huh? Well, with that I mean, being said, yeah, it's just both. We just named two really great pieces of cinematic art. I think um, that this is not supposed to measure up to, but you can just tell there's a big difference in in the quality of one versus the other. That's the problem when you pay homage to something or like, even that's if it's iconic. not intentional. Yeah. It's like, if you're going with a, especially a horror trope that's been used before, you better do it really damn well. Or like having kind of a, like a really new and exciting twist on it. Cause otherwise you're going to be held to the standard of other stuff. And yeah, it's tough. It's, it's hard to match up. Yeah. It's just really hard. Um, you want to take us to the cold open? Sure. Um, this was a much more succinct one than we've got with uh, Bloody Mary, but we open, well, oddly, it opens with a bunch of sounds of screams, which, okay. Um, but we see a bunch of, we're in a bedroom and we see a bunch of kind of anti-aging treatment type things, uh, bottles and cosmetic concoctions. Um, and then we see Judith Light, hooray, uh, wake up. Uh, she takes a jar, like a mason jar or something like that, and goes to the bathroom and She's peeing in it, so one might think she's maybe has to do a drug test or um, is uh, um, doing a, a well, I guess maybe not a pregnancy test. <laughs> but anyway, then we see her dabbing like a tissues or something like that into it, and then she's rubbing her face with her own urine. Um, she goes into the kitchen area, and her daughter Faye is in there uh, doing some work at, at a table. Looks like she's in college. Um, and she says, ew, I hope you're not doing that thing again. It smells gross, which she's referencing the, the urine on the face. And Judith Light, um, whose name is Virginia. Virginia in this story, uh, says, yeah, I don't think it's working this time. And then there's a conversation about the daughter being in her 30s, and um, but she's in law school with, her tw- with people who are in their 20s. Um, and then while Judith is pouring this like beet juice antioxidant, drink concoction um and the daughter Faye says you need to get over this obsession you have with growing old mom uh and you know and then the mom kind of does a little dig at her and says you're only in school because you didn't secure enough alimony from your ex-husband or you know which who we never see um and the daughter says that no she's 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 in law school because she's choosing to do something for herself uh, for once, and she has the baby bar coming up. And her, her mom says she does have faith in her, that she'll do well. Um, and then we see across the street, there's an older man-ish uh, named Bernie mowing the lawn, and the daughter says that he, she's heard he's getting divorced, and that he, she knows that Bernie pops into the wine shop on Fridays. So if Virginia, who definitely has uh, some feelings for Bernie, or thinks he's cute, uh who also has has, has lost her husband uh, at some point, um, has, a, has a possible in for a meet-cute with Bernie across the street. And then that's the end of it. That's the end of it. A, a couple things that come to mind when I saw this. Um, so obviously Judith Light, as you mentioned, plays 
Virginia in this episode. Um, you know, great actress who's been in a lot of things over time. Um, other Ryan Murphy fans might know her from American Crime Stories Impeachment or from The Politician. Most mm-hmm. recently, she's been in, I guess, that uh, new HBO show, Julia, about Julia Child. I think mm-hmm. she's just oh. a regular on that. Cool. Um, I'll also mention that if those some of you might have recognized the daughter, Faye, uh, her name is Britt Lower. And I've been a fan of hers for a while. First of all, you might have most recently noticed her as Helly R from the uh, from, excuse me, Severance. So I don't know if anyone's watched Severance on Apple TV. Uh, great show, got a got its own weird horror vibe. Hmm. Um, but she is on that show, and before that, she was on a show I really liked on FX called Man Seeking Woman that was a comedy. And so she's been around for a little while, but not really in um, only more recently in kind of, uh, I guess, more well known roles, which is cool. That's awesome. I mean, she and Judith Light are. Some of the the, the 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 strongest part of this episode, I think they both did a fantastic job. Yeah, last thing I was going to say too is that the character Bernie is played by the actor Todd Waring, who uh, I don't know he, if you he's familiar. He looked familiar. Do you watch Servant on Apple TV? No, but I know what it is. Okay, so that's where I know him from. Is he plays okay. the father of um, Ron Weasley? <laughs> I was thinking Rupert Grint yeah. and uh, his sister. He he plays their father on that show. Nice. Um, it's like a recurring role there. Uh, the other thing I'll say, too, is just obviously with uh, Virginia swabbing urine on her face, it, like we established very early on kind of the extremes she'll go to in order to preserve her youth and beauty, which I think is intentional, obviously. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Like, I thought it was a fine, strong enough kickoff from the cold open. I don't have any qualms with that. Um, I'll tease right now that I feel like the front half of this episode was much stronger than the second half. Um, and we'll talk more about that at the end. But before we uh, continue too much on, let's talk about the credits. A lot of creepy images of plastic surgery, which makes you realize just how creepy plastic surgery kind of is with all like little target dashes on people's faces. What do you think of the credits? Yeah, I mean, it was was a montage of um, all the different imagery that you associate with that type of a um, a theme of aging and and trying to preserve youth as long as possible. Um, Yeah, we see some mealworms and some leeches, so kind of some of those less traditional uh types it's so funny too because i don't did you are you watching house of the dragon on hbo the game of thrones i've watched the first episode haven't had time to watch the second okay well this is not a spoiler of anything but um they they have there's a scene where they use some mealworms to help remove dead tissue which is a thing and the they and leeches so it's some of these there's the there's the um you know sterile setting of a surgery surgery room or an operating room, and there's but then there's also some kind of gross imagery of some of the the more um, gnarly uh, treatments for for trying to you know preserve health and and beauty. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, but weren't you a big Nip Tuck fan? I I watched it. I I wouldn't say I was a big fan, but I watched okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that connection too. Yeah. And Judith mm-hmm. Light. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, scenes of surgical instruments on faces. We see like teeth, uh, leeches, flies, bloody skin, you know, needles. Yeah, not, overall, of, not a bad. Almost, not, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, fine. A, it was an effective sequence. Effective. Um, another episode written by Manny Cotto. And this one was directed by Marcus Stokes who knew to American Horror Story and Stories, but is a 911 and 911 Lone Star veteran. I think he did multiple episodes on 911. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, him, this is Manny Cota's fourth episode that he's written, and I do wish they would kind of, you know, hire a few other people. He's, he's getting a lot of flack on um, 
on social media for the most recent two episodes he did, which were oh. Drive and then this one. Which is basically. a bummer because the first two he did, which were Dollhouse. Very and, strong. Um, uh, Ara, uh, we thought were very good. There's so, a reason you know, why they ordered them this way, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how they finish off this season. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, the other thing I'll say about Marcus Stokes, too, is like I felt like he was a fine director. I don't feel like I noticed the directing that much in this episode. The only thing that I noticed that was an interesting choice was um, a lot of – so traditionally a lot of conversations when two people are speaking facing each other, it's called an over-the-shoulder shot where you'll see the back of someone's head and their shoulder and you'll see the face of the person they're speaking to. Um, there were a few shots that he did where it was Bernie who was just staring straight at the camera – uh, and we were supposed to be in the uh, position of Virginia. Um, and I think he, they also did that with um, Ca- um, Cassie, uh, the woman who is at the shop as well. They get, they get like, so we are supposed to be in Virginia's shoes and looking at these like beautiful people who are, don't look their ages. I didn't even notice that, but it makes me wonder if that's an eye of, eye of the beholder homage. Oh, that's a good point. I'd have, yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I also, I think the cold open to me was the like most cinematic piece I noticed, like the slow pan over all the beauty products and then the yeah. urine in the, in the mason jar and everything too. <laughs> um, but without you know any further ado, let's, let's dive into the meat of the episode, which is Virginia basically camped out at the wine shop waiting for <laughs> what, who she believes to be eligible bachelor Bernie to arrive. Um, and he does eventually. And we learn that, uh, from Bernie that Virginia's husband, Bill, uh, passed away, it seems somewhat recently because they're still asking her how she's doing with all of that stuff. And I mean, of course, later we learned about the debt she's in from Bill. So I think we're supposed to believe that that was not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, go ahead if you have something to say about that. No, I think I can't remember if it was six months or something. So, but and I can't remember. <laughs> well, and she's kind of about to potentially like prompt, I don't know, maybe like some wine drinking date or something like yeah. that. Yeah. When her conversation is interrupted by Cassie Brooks, who pretty immediately we begin to assume is Bernie's girlfriend, uh, who was in the same college year as Virginia. And I think this is supposed to be important because the idea is that like she's, she looks significantly like younger and she's supposed to, we're supposed to think she looks younger and more beautiful than Virginia. Mm-hmm. Right, right. She does look somewhat younger. I, I didn't look at the actress's age, but she's strikingly beautiful <laughs> in a very conventional, traditional, like you are a pretty person. Right. Right. And so, you know, Virginia is like immediately kind of downtrodden. And I think this is when we begin to get these, I mean, there's a lot of glimmers of just her kind of poor self-confidence here. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as Bernie walks away, you know, Virginia kind of prods Cassie, you know, what's your beauty secret? Uh, and basically Cassie says, I'll tell you if you, yeah, Stay the fuck away from Bernie, I think she says. Yeah. She's like, well, she's, I think she says, um, I want, uh, or it's, it's like diet and exercise. And she's like, cut the crap. What is it? <laughs> and that then, yeah, funny. she says, stay away from Bernie and gives her that card. The card for Dr. Enid Pearl. Um, the, for those of you who remember uh, American Horror Story last season, the kind of Death Valley segment of Double Feature, you'll remember that Dr. Enid Pearl is played by Rebecca Dian, who was the housewife. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of Death Valley, who like gets possessed, um, possessed kind of by the aliens. Um, yeah. She's also she was also in Halston too. Oh, nice! She gave me very Gal Gadot vibes. Yeah, in, in this in this role as Doctor Pearl. 
I could see that. I could see that. Um, so we jumped to, you know, Virginia meeting with Dr. Pearl and out at the beginning, Pearl turns her down as a potential client due to her lack of self-confidence. Um, at this point, Virginia kind of gives a pretty powerful speech here to convince her. And, you know, I think Dr. Pearl kind of changes. Well, first of all, obviously we learn later that like, obviously this was a ploy to just like make yeah. Virgin, poor Virginia beg for this procedure. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought this was well, like strong acting by Judith, like given, oh, yeah. you know, she sells she it. With. She sells how depressed she is and how, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it, the whole theme of aging is very heavy handed. We get it, you know? Um, but this, this monologue she has about how she used to be young and she would travel and she would be photographed and now she just hates her older looks and, and she wants to, the outside to reflect who her, what her spirit was like then. And that's just not really how life works, but, um, but, but the doctor does string her along in a way that makes her even more desperate. Um, but it sells us on the emotion and makes us feel really, really bad for uh, Virginia. Like this poor woman, why, like she really hates herself this much. And her daughter tries to, you know, be there for her and, and support her and make her feel more powerful. But um, Judith or <laughs> Virginia does not, uh, she doesn't see it that way. And it's, it's really unfortunate and it's depressing. It is. And, you know, I think. I mean, that's how much of a lot of this episode went, went for me. It's like, I just felt sad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, sad for her. Um, and I'll, we'll talk about her demise soon enough. But, you know, in this initial conversation, Dr. Pearl positions herself as this worshiper of human beauty, which is not untrue. Yep. <laughs> she didn't lie. Um, I did feel like this part felt a bit cornier. This felt like one of the situations in which, you know, that, I mean, no disrespect to Rebecca and Diane, but I did feel like that, like acting capabilities of Judith Light were just kind of like, you know, on a different level. Yeah. She, I mean, she's Judith Light, so she, she's, she's had the experience and she did a great job. Again, yeah. you just feel really bad for her. Even when she just says some mean things later on, you, you, you still think of how broken this woman is. Yeah. Apologies for any background noise. Uh, anybody's hearing at this point in time, I'm recording this on the West Coast out of my mother-in-law's office. <laughs> and uh, her office phone was just going off a second ago, and I didn't know how to turn it off. So, you know, <laughs> we're just... <laughs> you know, it's this, our first caller. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, right, right. Um, so apologies there. Um, did you notice at this point, We obviously we look close at it in a minute because I think it gets pointed out, but did you notice the boar painting behind... Dr. Pearl, because I felt like it was hard to miss. Yeah, I I noticed there was a piece of art behind uh, them, behind where we're viewing this conversation from. But then when they zoom in on it for the full for a giant portion of time, that we see that painting of the boar being attacked by dogs and humans that's just sitting in the office, out there for anyone who wants to get banged over the head about what's probably going to happen. The foreshadowing is clearly there, and they make you they make sure you see it. Yeah, there's not, a, again, not much subtlety in this painting, I guess. It's the slaughter of a, a boar, probably. That's what I thought, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, you know, Dr. Pearl is a secret recipe for beauty restoration. Um, she shares all these before and after pictures of radical transformations, which are fake. I think we probably surmise that. Yeah. Um, we get the sense that the procedure costs a fortune. 
So not only does poor Virginia lose all of her money, but she goes through her big transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this is when we learn that Virginia is broke or not only broke, but in debt. In debt because of her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she still has her mansion and she has her Bentley and she has kind of a funny comment about switching from a Bentley to a Mercedes. I like as a that. Cutback. So there's little shades of humor in here. Yeah. But, um, she doesn't really have the finances to do this. Right. Yep. But later that night when she sees Cassie and Bernie across the way, getting Randy through the window, uh, basically it's the straw that breaks the camel's back and she's yep. all in. Do we, do we know when she ends up, I'm trying to remember, do they talk about like what she is giving up? Is she giving up the mansion? We don't know where the money is really coming from, right? Don't know. We just know she shows up with a check the next day at the Dr. Pearl's office. And Dr. Pearl wants to start with the hands, which Virginia finds strange, <laughs> um, which was probably right. Yeah, which, another red flag, Virginia. And as she goes into the procedure, uh, she notices the like this weird butterfly logo on like the arms and neck of the people in, you know working on her. There's so I had the closed captioning on when I was watching this, and they described the chanting as Gaelic chanting, which I right. thought was interesting. Right. Um, unclear if like they're supposed to be casting a spell or if this is just like a cult ritual. Um, how exactly this transformation takes place? Yeah, I think at the, in the moment I was thinking cult. Um, but at this point in the story, I was still all in. I was like, this is cool. It's interesting. Oh, oh the, the, the medical facility is actually a, a cult or, or a, or, you know, a coven. I don't know what it might be, but, but I was still into it. I liked it. Me too. I, I mean, maybe we should talk about where we fell off because yeah. that, that'll be interesting. <laughs> um, but it's a stormy night as Faye arrives at her mother's dark house, um, and actually, I had heard that this was kind of a cool shot. Lightning strikes, and we see her head up like a mummy. So that was, an, you know, hats off to Marcus Stokes for a cool shot. There. I liked that too. This was a great, you know, the, you know, the thunderstorm really creates the atmosphere for this for this next scene about her being a monster. It does, and we learn that she has to stay in these bandages for you know the duration of a week. And I think the question I have for myself is like, how the hell can she do anything when her hands are that bandaged? You would you would have to let your daughter know or somebody that they'd have to help you out because she can't. She, do how anything. does she go to the bathroom? How does yeah. She, I mean, it's it's we don't have any idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get into an argument because Faye's like, "Why'd you do this? You could lose the house. I won't be, I won't be able to pay my college tuition." And this is when we, we kind of see Virginia be a little bit of a dick here. It kind of comes mm-hmm. out of nowhere to remind uh, Faye that she's a stepdaughter, not a real daughter. And yeah. we didn't know that as viewers. We don't know this up until this point. So. I think we're supposed to imagine that this is, you know, Bill's child from a past marriage, but that Virginia has played the role of mother to her for quite some time, obviously, through the fact that Faye calls her mom. Right. And and as established in the opening cold open, um, they have a good relationship. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll say some things here or there, but what parent and kid do, don't make some remarks here and there that off, you know, frequently, but... Um, so this was kind of a like, a, oh, God, no, you don't mean that. You don't mean that, Virginia. Take it back. Well, it also just felt shitty from Virginia. Like, you're going to go blow your like one connection. Well, and, and you're in like your stepdaughter's inheritance. You're like, that was her real father. You're going to go blow it on your beauty procedure. Like, yeah, I, I don't I don't blame Faye for leaving, frankly. Yeah, no. And, and they have a good interaction where where Judith, sorry, Virginia says, it's my body. I can do what I want. And. Faye says it doesn't just affect you, actually. It, this is affecting my life, too. Like you mentioned, her her schooling and everything. So, you know, there are certain 
things that people say out there like I'm getting I do have autonomy over my body and I can do what I want with it to make me feel good about myself and we you know we celebrate that but also there are sometimes impacts if you're you know spending the money to do this that's that could harm another person close to you it's, it's, a, it's a it's a really bummer of a fight but it, it, they both sold it and it rang it they both cut each other or well and, m- more virginia cut Faye kind of deep there and then Faye leaves and then wakes up in the middle of the night spills her pain pills he begins to hear like demonic voices more of that gaelic chanting mm-hmm. and then lucky for her Faye is still there to help her and i'll be honest with you this is around when the episode started to fall off for me a little bit and I'll, it has to do with this weird anecdote that uh Faye gives for why she came back she talks about like being pissed at her dad bill and real biological mom back in the day and having like thrown away this necklace that was an heirloom yeah i mean we learn later that there's significance to this and clear it's like clearly that's the reason it was shoved in here because in the moment it feels like it doesn't really make sense it's not it doesn't feel to me like the same type of thing as like the biting comment of calling Faye a stepdaughter instead of a real daughter you know it is the only thing that they have that sort of makes the finale make sense or connects it to anything because it's completely out of character for Faye, who seems like a feminist, like an awesome person who champions women's rights to choose things about themselves or how they want to present themselves or whatever it might be. That this this necklace that we don't get a very close shot of until the end, um, I think that's the only reason why it's in there. It, it's it's rather unfortunate. Yeah, so that, that just felt out of place yeah. as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, when you get a flashback in um, American Horror Stories, like, all right, what's the one thing that, you know, what's the seed that was is getting planted here that's going to probably pay off or they're going to try to pay it off later at, at the end? Yeah, yeah. It felt, uh, it felt like putting a square peg in a round hole or something a little bit to me. Um, and then back at Dr. Pearl's, which how did Virginia get here? Um, I mean, it seems like Faye would have to take her, but it doesn't seem like Faye's there. <laughs> Uh, Virginia is saying, well, it feels like you did more work than just the skin. It feels structural, like it did stuff to my bones. Um, and basically, Dr. Pearl just kind of pushes us back and it's like, oh, it seems like you're being manipulated by your, you know, yeah. your, your daughter, your stepdaughter. Um, why don't you get away from her by a while, for a while? Like coming to this great retreat at posting up in the mountains and it's totally free and all this. We'll move your bandages there. And she insinuates that a lot of people will be going to have their bandages removed there. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, right. So, of course, Virginia's all on board. Faze tries to talk her out of going. Um, at this, I think there's this scene here in which I was like, how the hell does Faye get her arms through her sleeves of her shirts? <laughs> I love that. You're so uh, focused and fixated on the logistics of how does she function day to day in her life, like getting dressed and going to the bathroom, <laughs> getting it's, in and out of the car. I, yeah, totally. But as, as my mind is there, you know, Faye is of course, telling Virginia about all this like shady medical history she's looked up of Dr. Pearl and stuff. Um, but Virginia goes regardless, um, gets driven up to this like beautiful forested mountain, luxury resort type space. Um, but immediately we notice she's the only one with bandages on, right? It's a lot of other but, yeah. beautiful but, people. And if you ever, like I was sort of paying attention to her, um, her bandages and it did look like the nose was a bit more prominent, you know, based off of Judith lights, the entire time I was kind of like thinking, all right, there's something else going on under here. And this is a great tension of a story like this. The bandage is there. What's the reveal going to actually reveal. Um, but the moment she showed up and nobody else was in bandages, I was like, she's a hog. They're going to hunt her. 
<laughs> She's a hog lady. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, of course, Dr. Pearl wants to remove her bandages in front of everybody. as like a demonstration of some kind. Uh, Virginia continues to just kind of like, oh, that seems a little strange, but I'll go along with this. Um, and at dinner that night, there's like a kind of odd toasts uh, to Dr. Pearl um, and by Dr. Pearl. And... Right, but I think it's right before they pull the bandages off. Faye gets drug out because she'd like, we she'd like followed in the trunk of the it car. Does not make sense. And, and then, of course, Virginia kind of betrays her again by saying she isn't a real mom and she doesn't care about her and they drag her off. So it was like, that's just all again, kind of sad. Yeah, They're like her only, the only person that ever really has seemed to care about her, other than maybe Bill, um, even though he settled her with all that debt. Uh, <laughs> she just totally disowns for the sake of beauty. Um, Face bandages come off, and we learn that they turned her into a pig woman. Pig mm-hmm. nose, claw-like kind of uh, hoofs, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit troll-like. Uh, she's the sacrificial swine for everyone else's beauty. And I think a woman even shouts out at one point, like, here, piggy, piggy, which yeah. little, uh, American Horror Story nod there to the piggy. Yeah, little murder house reference. Uh, you know, they're like, you know, part of this ritual is the hunt. I mean, part of when I was here, I was like, Man, she should just like sit down and not like and at least ruin their ritual of like having to chase her through the forest or something because it's not like she's going to be able to get away from all these people. I mean, she's an she older is. woman too, trying to you know, and all these semi seemingly younger, spry looking people are. Yeah, it's it's not a very fair contest for her to to be challenged with. And I mean, I guess let's go through this last piece pretty quick. She runs into the woods, is wounded by like an arrow or some kind of thing. Um, is close enough to see the ocean because, of course, she is when Bernie stops her. Uh, of course, Bernie's a part of I mean, mm-hmm. Cassie Cassie gave the friggin' card to her in the first place, but she doesn't think about, oh, he's probably a part of this thing. Yeah. Um, there's a really horrible quote here, too, from Dr. Pearl when they catch her. It's like, they say you can't make silk out of a pig's ear, but pig's blood, that's another story. I thought, I was like, oh, that's yeah. just, what a bad line. They're, like, it's a, they're, bullies too you know this poor woman who already has like no self-esteem they make her even worse at least you know in the eyes of traditional or traditional uh, human aesthetic and then they just keep cutting at her with how awful she is it's it's so even though we don't you know we're pissed at virginia because she's being been mean to her daughter um, it just shows how desperate and sad she is and, and lost, I think, more than I don't like her. So this this whole sequence was just like, it was too much almost. Yeah, I mean, you know, they brutally stab her to death and then here comes our big twist. They drag Faye out and would you believe it? She's one of the beautiful ones. Uh, and we learned that the necklace that she trashed all those years ago had the butterfly logo that we were supposed to remember from the tattoo on it. Um, and this was kind of hilarious to me because I mean, you, I know you remember this. It was like a, she's all that moment where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Oh, you weren't supposed to know that uh, Faye was actually a beautiful person because we put glasses on her and put her hair in a ponytail. Yeah. That is as soon as we like give her a blowout and she's wears a dress and you know, she's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, this none of this made sense to me that the daughter would be there, that she's part. Her, they're like it's it's this like exposition dump of of like story about Faye that they just like cram in at the end. Oh, by the way, your mother was one of us. What? Like, 
<laughs> your biological mother. What? Yeah. yeah why is that matter? Why else? You know, what if she didn't show up? Were they planning to have her show up? Did they know that she was like to the Santa Monica Hills retreat? It doesn't. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew this? Like, why did they know what the necklace? This was? whole third act made absolutely no sense to me regarding anything dealing with the stepdaughter. Uh, the yeah. Judith Light stuff, the, the Virginia stuff, okay, like we can work with that. It was not executed well. But the idea there of, you know, you know the most dangerous game, like people hunting people, that, that's a concept and trope that's been around for a while that I'm down with. But this whole daughter stuff getting crammed in there and trying to quickly explain why she's a hot person does did not work. Sorry. It falls apart. And then, of course, we have this <laughs> weird tacked on end scene where she's oh, God. back at law school, all glammed up. Meets another like hot younger dude who is also a beautiful butterfly, and they like walk off into the sunset together. She sold her soul to be hot, or to just get a get a freaking easy makeover, uh, and that's like fought against every character thing we've seen about how she worked with her stepmother. It's, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Uh, I think it seems like you and I can both agree that like. The end of this episode kind of falls apart. Yep, definitely. I was hundred percent on board. Um, I enjoyed it. It wasn't perfect, uh, but I was enjoying it a lot. It was it was a different type of a tone and a different uh, pacing uh, in this episode compared to some of the other ones where stuff's kind of constantly happening or there's murders happening throughout the whole thing. This was a build, uh, and I really really liked it. Um, I would say the two things. Do you want me to just get? I can just give my review. Please do. Okay, I think the biggest theme here, if Faye says it at one point, is we all have things we want that we do, that we all have things that we want that sometimes we do things we shouldn't do to get it. And I think that is kind of, you know, what Judith or what Virginia's um, journey is in this. Uh, her, her character arc is incomplete, I think, because that the chase scene at the end was too quick. There should have been some more, you know, epiphanies or revelations or a possible like forgiveness uh, episode. Cause she ends as she ends as a, someone who was bullied, who also totally was rude and betrayed her, her daughter or stepdaughter uh, and not a chance to try to reconcile her life. It's which can be a good horror trope too. But um, And then it's seemingly the lesson at the end of this is you either got it or you don't. Like you're either hot or you're not, and that's just life. And and you're a pig or you're one of the part of the beautiful people cult. It I I don't know. I think I need to sit with it a little bit more. But I'm. What should we What should we um use as our our as our metric here? No, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Butterfly necklaces, pig snouts. There. Oh, but but butterfly necklaces. Um. I give this three and a half butterfly necklaces. I liked it. It was great until the final act, and then it just didn't finish. But yeah, I think I think you know I liked the first half much 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 more than the second half. Um, I, one thing I just feel like we missed is like we never really understood. I mean, Virginia talks a little bit about like not having friends and stuff like that, but like why she's so obsessed with being beautiful is is never really explained. Because Judith Light is not. I mean, I, I guess this is part of a message too, like. You can be traditionally beautiful in everyone else's eyes, but if you don't believe, you don't see what everyone else sees. Like Judith Light is definitely a very pretty person, um, and that's it's a good it, lesson. But we don't really spend time on why she thinks that. It just wasn't built out enough to like be yeah. believed in. Like she would totally sell her 
the only person she's in a relationship with downriver, like multiple times in this episode for that. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. And in the same sense, how the daughter would just flip, flip the switch and become part of the cult after being like this UC Berkeley feminist, you know? And then the culture seems kind of boring to me. At the yeah. End. It's like, it's very sterile. It's like, Oh, you're, you're just beautiful people that kill a penguin once a year. I don't know. Um, <laughs> The the thing with Faye felt forced, which I feel, I mean, it was kind of a underappreciation of, a, of Brit Lower, I feel like, especially at the end there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a premise that could have had potential if it was some kind of new take on the plastic surgery thing, on, you know, the Twilight Zone premise, on the Goodnight Mommy premise that just, like, it was not original enough to, like, be distinctive. And so it gets held against things that already exist to a way that like doesn't major detriment in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, I don't know. It, it wasn't as bad as drive. It wasn't as bad as, uh, what was the other one that we didn't milkmaids? Oh, uh, milkmaid. Uh, yeah. Milkmaids had its like things that I liked more about it than this episode too. There was different pieces. I think I would probably give this, did we say pig snouts? Is that what you went with? Uh, no butterfly necklaces, butterfly necklaces. I think I give it three and a quarter. Okay, so six and three quarters. Yeah, that's not too bad. That's like in the middle of the season for us. And that's definitely the first half of this episode slash three quarters carrying itself and and the acting of Judith Light probably. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it was a little disappointing of an ending. It was, Um, you know, these middle-ish episodes of stories have kind of had their ups and downs. It'll be interesting to see what the last few episodes of the season deliver and if like we can pull things back up because if everyone will remember the first season of American Horror Stories, we felt like it kind of uh flopped Petered out. Final episodes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, it's also one thing that is a commentary we have every episode for the most part, at least I do, is these last like one to two, three minutes that they tack on at the end, these epilogues of like where characters end up. Don't aren't are mostly unnecessary. They could have wrapped up the phase storyline in the end of the the hunt, but to make her be this completely different person who's chosen beauty in law school and finds a boyfriend, that I don't yeah. like. Yeah, it just we didn't need that. We didn't need the epilogue. Bad epilogues. That is the that is the story of this season of stories. For mm-hmm. real. Well, thanks everybody for uh, you know listening to us go through this episode. Always curious to hear everyone else's take, um, whether, you know, seems like people were on both sides of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the middle. <laughs> and surprise, we're in the surprise. middle. You can reach us to share your thoughts and comments at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com or at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Uh, and I guess, Chris, where can people find you between now and next stories? Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Where can people find you, Tyler? You can find me uh, on those platforms as well, and I will do my best to be recovered by <laughs> next week, healthy. so that way I'm not uh, sounding so gravelly and peeling away to cough into my armpit and stuff uh, during next week's episode. So. Drink drink some beet juice antioxidant. But I won't dab urine on my face. Yeah. <laughs> Deal. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. As always, happy hauntings. <laughs>